0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. It's great to be back from Hawaii. It's always good to go on vacation. It's even better when it's in Hawaii, right? And we've got two grandkids that are there, and that makes it an over-the-top experience. But I've got to tell you, it's great to be back. And, uh, you know, this, what a great message this morning as we were just listening to that song. Your love, it knows no end. I was just thinking earlier as I was praying about this service and, and just just visiting with God about it. You know, God is the almighty king, creator, ruler, all that stuff. You know, he could have chosen to relate to us as the almighty ruler of heaven and earth, both now and forevermore, amen. And instead of us singing, Your love, it knows no end, we'd be singing, Your authority, it knows no end. Carries a little different ring, doesn't it? Yeah, now, that's true. His authority knows no end, but isn't it great that God packages His authority in His love? And so God chooses to relate to us as our father. And he calls us into this wonderful relationship as his children. And if you've never made that that decision, if you've never chosen to relate to God as your father, if you've never said today, I make the choice to become a follower of Christ and, and, and to be a child of God, I'm going to give you that opportunity later on in our service this morning. And I want to encourage you even now to begin thinking about making that decision this morning because this could be the day that changes your life and not just your life here, your life in eternity. We're going to talk about a a subject this morning that challenges all of us. If you work and you work out in the workplace, sooner or later you're going to encounter a situation where your integrity and your employment collide. And the question is, how do we handle that? What needs to go on in our heart and in our mind so that when we encounter that situation, we have the right response, not only externally, but internally? That's a big, big deal. So we're going to take a look at that from Scripture. Right now, I just want you to join with me in a time of prayer. Father, I just pray right now for those who are new to you today, for those who are new to this church today, who have come here for the first time. Lord, would you, would you enable them to taste and see that you're good, that you love them, and would you enable them to begin to take hold of the life you have for them? And would you be with the rest of us who are here all the time? Would you help us to get a fresh taste of who you are? And would you help us to have uh, a fresh grasp on this life that you have for us? And would you show us how to live it out in fuller ways that are more meaningful and more powerful and more transformational in our lives? And Lord, I pray for those that this week had really a tough week. I know some in our church lost loved ones. Some lost a son or a daughter or a mother, or a father. And this is <clears throat> this is a tough time for them. God, would you be near them? Would you speak through this message this morning that's about integrity and employment, and all the stuff that's completely unrelated to what they've been through, but somehow would you speak through this message that they could hear your voice and feel your touch? And I pray for those that this week lost a job or other struggles. And, and on the flip side of that coin, for those uh, who started work this week and who got a job or got great news or got a promotion or or whatever else it was for for those who gave birth this week in our church and and they got a brand new child. Lord, would you be with them equally that they would sense a fresh touch from you. And Lord, would you go with the 35 people that that we sent off in the vans this morning. They're on their way to Mexico. God, would you Would you just bless them as they build these houses for these homeless people? Thank you that we live in the day and age where we can fly hundreds of miles and we can build a house for homeless families that we don't even know, but that you've touched our hearts with a desire to, to, to do what we can to alleviate suffering in our world. And God, I pray that that house would be more than just a house for that family, that somehow they would see it as a gift from you and that that it would somehow point them in your direction, that it could not only be something they live in now, but it might be something that would prepare them for an eternity in your house, in your big house. So, Father, now speak to us from your word. Teach us, change our lives by your Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Amen. When integrity and employment collide, let's get out our teaching notes from our programs and also take out the card that says Connect Card on one side and start here. Especially for those of you who are new, you don't know that drill, but it's pretty easy. You just pull out that card. I'm going to walk you through later what to do with it. But um, this is how we learn, and this is how God speaks into our lives. So, Today, we're talking about that that moment in in our employment when our boss asked us to do something we know we shouldn't do. I was sitting with a group of guys around the table, um, close friends of mine, and one of them said, you know what happened? The boss called me in this past week and he said, look, We need some venture capital. we got to have some venture capital. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take our financials and I want them to say this. And he said, I can't do that. That's not what our financials are. And he said, no, I want you to make our financials say this. And he said, with all due respect, sir, I can't do that. I don't do things that don't have integrity. That's why you hired me to be your chief financial officer so you could trust. What I say to you is true. And now you're asking me to lie. If I lie for you now, how will you ever trust me again? And he said, I still want you to do it. And he said, no, I can't do that. On top of that, I could go to jail for that. And he said, I still want you to do it. And he said, with all due respect, sir, here's what's going to happen. Number one, I won't do that. But you tell me if I don't do it, you're going to do it. So you're going to change the figures. Venture capital people are not dumb. You'll get your capital. They'll come in. They'll find out that you falsified the records and they'll fire you. Sir, for your benefit, I beg you, don't do that. He fired him. Right there. Sitting across the table from him was another good friend of mine and less than a month later that guy comes in and said, guess what happened? He was a district manager for a large corporation, uh, and he had 13 different stores that he managed in Northern California, and they got a new CEO, and the new CEO came in and said, here's what I've decided. I've decided we're paying our store managers and our department managers too much, but... We can't fire them all, or we have lawsuits. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to dog every store manager and every department manager, and I want you to nitpick at them until they get so miserable they quit, or you find something you can fire them for, and then we'll hire people back at cheaper wages. He said, with all due respect, sir, I've worked 32 years in this company. I started out as a stock boy. I've worked my way up through. We have never in the history of this company done business that way. I can't do that. That's unethical. I cannot destroy the people who have made this company what it is. So we can go out and hire people at cheaper wages who have no loyalty to our company. I can't do that. I can't destroy the people who have been partners of mine for years. He lost his job. You know, what we're talking about is real stuff. Fortunately, God put in the Bible a wonderful story of three guys who are heroes. They're heroes of mine. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Actually, their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But they got changed by the Babylonian king to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I love these guys so much that if you went right upstairs to my office, I have an aquarium with three fish, and they are Rack, Shack, and Benny. All right? They are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego right up there right now. So they're heroes of mine, but in this story, we're going to see how they they allowed God to use them to respond in a right way when their employment and their integrity collided, and then we're going to see what went on in their minds that enabled them to do that. So let's jump into the story. Now, our story takes place outside the, the, the capital of ancient Iraq, a city called Babylon. And Babylon is is reigned. It's the empire, the empire in the world at that time. If you know anything about geography, the, the kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king, the ki- the kingdom that he ruled, started in northern Africa. Included all the territory of northern Africa. It went up through Israel. It went all across the Arab states. And it went all the way over into India. And all the way to the southern tip of India. It was a vast empire of some 120 different countries. Or provinces as they called them in those days. And he was the dude. And he had conquered all that territory. And he was paranoid that the people he conquered would not be loyal to him. And in his mind he's thinking, it's great to rule all these countries, but the problem is these are all different kinds of people. they got different colored skin, they've got different cultures, they've got different religions, they speak different languages, they use different kinds of money, they they have all different kinds of practices. I must do something that brings them all together in a way that makes them loyal to me and unified under my rule. And bing! The light goes on and he says, I'm going to build an image and I'm going to create one image for all these countries and I'm going to have all the rulers of all these countries come right here to Babylon and I'm going to get them right in this plane, right outside of Babylon. I'm going to set up this image and I'm going to call them all to unite around worshiping this one image. So that's what he did. He built an image that probably looked a little bit like a Native American totem pole because the dimensions, the ratios were just about that. It was nine feet wide, so it wasn't very wide. It was 90 feet tall, so it was really more like a pole. And it was either made out of gold or plated with gold. And he set it up in this plain right outside the capital city. He called together all these people and it took weeks for them to come from all over his world. And they all came, whether by boat or donkey or whatever, and he got them all together and he assembled them all out here in the plain. And this is where we pick up the story. He said, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and the other musical instruments. Kind of makes our worship band look small, doesn't it? A whole bunch of them. When you hear all that stuff, here's what you do. You bow down to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And furthermore, anyone who refuses will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. Now he gave them two compelling reasons to comply. One is to please your king, and he's the dude. And number two is, if you don't, you're going to fry. Wow. Here's what I want you to see. Here's takeaway number one. The collision of integrity and employment is normal, and it should be expected and anticipated. Friends, think about this for a minute. You take a group of people who are Christians who follow Christ and, 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 and their lives are being transformed by the Spirit of God so that ethics and morals become supremely important to them and they have a desire to live holy and godly and pure lives that bless other people and you put them in the workplace with people who are far away from God and don't want anything to do with Him, would we be naive to think there might not be a collision there? Yeah, it's It's coming. And yet when it comes, my phone rings and somebody calls me. pastor, can I come in and talk to you? And please, I'd love to have it when you come in and talk to me. It's not I'm not griping about that. But the question that you ask is, why me? Why would God put me in a job? As if this is something amazing and cruel and unusual and completely unexpected. I'm telling you right now, this was almost a 1,000 years before Christ, some 700 or so years before Christ. It's been that way for 2,700 years at least. It's not going to change because you get a job at Safeway. It's just this happens, okay? So let's see how the story unfolds. Now, some of the astrologers went to the king... And informed on the Jews. You got a picture of this. The king says, "Okay, here it is." So you got hundreds of people, people out here in this plain, and he cranks up the orchestra, and all hundreds of them bow. All the way. Now, by the way, when they bowed, they didn't do this. Okay, they were on their knees and went all the way with their foreheads on the ground. So you got hundreds of people doing that, and three dudes standing up. It's a little hard to blend in, don't you think? Everybody goes down and three guys standing up. Some of the astrologers look over. I don't think they had their eyes closed. Do you? Okay? They look over, they see those three guys, and they run to the king. They can't get there fast enough. You know why? Here's takeaway number two. Don't be surprised by this one either. There will always be people in the workplace who are willing to step on others to get ahead. Always will be. You've encountered that. Don't be surprised by that. Don't go, oh, I can't believe it. Believe it. (laughs) It happens all the time. Why? Because they see this as their opportunity to get ahead of you. They see this as their opportunity to kiss up to the boss. They see this as their opportunity to jump in to a point where they think you're going to be weak where they can be strong. And these guys went running up to the king, and they not, only, they not only informed on the Jews, they probably said to the king, you know, lots of people saw this, but they, didn't, they weren't loyal enough to you to come and tell you, but we are. We're your guys, not those three. Yeah. That's important. Now, I know in your notes, there's a thing after that that says, key point, just pass over that. That's in the wrong place on your notes. We're going to get to that in a minute. Let's check on the story and see how it goes. Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. And he ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought before him. And I didn't print out all the rest of what he said to them, but basically he screamed at them. And he said, what are you thinking? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I can do to you? Did you not hear what I said? What rank do you have in my kingdom? You want to lose that rank? Worse yet, you want to fry? Because I'm telling you this, when I crank up that music again, if you don't bow down, you're in big trouble. As the little song that I learned when I was a kid said like this, tie them up and throw them in, these Hebrew boys are going to fry. Yeah. And that's what he threatened them with. Listen, don't be surprised by this. Here's our third big takeaway. Here it is. The boss may misinterpret your, your integrity for insubordination. Most of the time, the boss is not going to look at you and say, Thank you for calling me on that. I so appreciate you stopping me from doing something unethical and immoral. It's why I value you as an employee. That's probably not going to happen. Okay, but neither is the boss going to look at you and say, you are a much better person than I am. You're much more righteous than I am. I'll tell you what, I'm going to fire you, but at least I'll respect you on the way out the door. (laughs) Won't even say that. The boss is going to look at you and the boss is going to say, you're standing between who I am and what I want. And you won't follow my directions so I'm going to fire you for insubordination. You're going to have all the purest motives in the world, but most of the time that's going to be the outcome. I wish I could tell you at that moment that God would strike the boss with lightning, and your job would be preserved, and all the righteous people would be saved. But here's the deal. If God did that, Aren't you glad that when you were a sinner, God didn't strike you with lightning before you got a chance to see it right? That's why God's not in the business of striking people with lightning. He's in the business of loving people, even sometimes when those people do terrible things. And that would include you, and that would include me, who have all done some terrible things in our life. So there they were the king was mad the boss had misinterpreted their integrity for insubordination it was a tough deal here's the key issue and you're going to see it unfold as i read this next as i read this next thing and that is when everything is on the line do you and i believe god enough to trust him in that moment when it's all on the line not just a little thing a big thing, when your life is on the line, do you believe God enough to follow him? Or will you compromise and cave? Now notice how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego handled it. They said, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into that blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Think about that for a minute. Whoa, call a timeout. Pull over to the side of the road and think about that. Do you think they built a fire and jumped in just to test and see if God could do that? How did they know God could save them? Had they ever seen God save anybody from a fire? No. You know, the deal with trusting God is trusting God to make good on His promise even if you've never seen anyone go through what you're going through. Man, I hope you get that. Because, friends, you can't live long enough to see people go through everything you're going to go through. What you're going to have to learn how to do, and the great thing about God is God says, look, I am faithful. And the word faithful means I do it every time. Got it? God has a plan for your life not ninety percent of the time. Not ninety-five percent of the time. Not even ninety-nine percent of the time. What percent of the time does God have a plan for your life? What do you think? A hundred percent. He makes good every time. That's the reason I can stand here and 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 declare His promises to you, and and not feel like you're going to come back on me because I, because I know God will come through every time. He doesn't always come through the way you want Him to come through. Okay. Now notice, as they continue to reply, He will rescue us from your power. That doesn't mean that God was going to take him out of the furnace. You know what that meant? It meant that if you throw us in that furnace and, and God doesn't choose to spare our lives, He's going to take us to heaven. Are we going to be out of your power when He takes us to heaven? What do you think? Yep. And if He decides to rescue us from the fire and make the fire where it doesn't burn us up and we walk out, are we going to be out from underneath your power? Yep. Either way, You will not have power over us. But notice, they get a little more detailed. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, they weren't insubordinate, they were subordinate, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Just to be clear. Why? Because these men were Jews. They knew the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments had been given to them by God. Commandment number one, you will worship the Lord your God, and he's the only one you'll serve. And that means you don't bow down to a statue that's 90 feet tall in the plains of Babylon. Number two, you will not set up any graven image. You will not make an idol. That's an idol. We don't do either one of those, king. And no matter what you do to us, we will never cave on that issue. Well, the King would hear it and goes, I'm giving you a second chance anyway. He sent them all back out. Think about that for a minute. He's got hundreds of people. These are the most powerful people in the whole world. And he gives, he makes them all go back out in the plane, do it all over again for three guys. So he sends them all back out there. They crank up the orchestra one more time. Every now, this time no one's looking at the statue. Where are they looking? Those three dudes, right? Everybody goes down. Everybody looks. Three guys standing there like this. You know, the king gives them the command. And they throw them into the furnace. And it's an interesting scenario that happens. Let's take a look. The key issue is, do we believe God enough to trust him? Shortly after they throw him. By the way, the king... I'll give you another little thing. It's not actually in this text, but it's in the text in the Bible. the The Bible says that the king's face changed. Have you ever made someone so mad that their face changed? Now, when that's a king, what comes after that's not going to be fun, right? He said, you heat that furnace up seven times hotter than it's ever been heated before. I don't think anyone had a thermometer, but the deal was, in that culture, seven times was the number of perfection or completion. So what he was saying is, you heat it as hot as it'll go. And it was heated so hot that the guys that threw them in literally blistered and died on the spot. I mean, it was one blazing furnace. And the king threw them in and went, good. And the king thinks he's got a moral victory because why? What better thing could you get to put fear in all the rulers of all your provinces than to throw the only three insubordinate guys in that furnace? Would that teach all the other 117 of them a lesson? Of course. The king thinks it's great until some dude in the crowd raises his hand. Yes, sir. How may I help you? Look. What do you mean, look? He says, count them. The king turns around, looks in the furnace. He goes, how many guys we throw in there? Three. There's four in there. And he takes another look and he goes, that fourth guy looks different. In fact, this is the only way the king knew how to describe it. He looks like a son of the gods. There's somebody different, there's something different about that fourth guy. We know it was actually the son of the one God. And now the, the Bible says, remember the thing that says that the King's face changed? Well, it now sunk to his knees because the Bible says his knees began to shake. Dude was scared. and he said, "Come on out." And this is, kid you not?" Somebody i happen to think it was the king went up to those guys and went <sniffs> and smelled them because here's what the bible says they didn't even smell like smoke i got to pull it aside and say when you walk with god and you do what's right when the dust is cleared and the flames are gone you won't even smell like smoke is that cool That's awesome. I want to live my life so that I don't even smell like smoke. Well, they didn't. Now notice what happens. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. I want you to think with me for a minute because the takeaway is this. The big takeaway is the life God has for us is always better, always better than anything we could choose on our own. Let's just suppose for a minute Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had caved. So they cave, and on that second go around, they bow down with everybody else. The king pats them on the back and says, That's my boys. They go back to their job in Babylon. they got the same job they've had. Their position are, is secure. They don't have to go home and tell their wife they got canned or they got fired. They don't have to tell their kids, you need to pray for daddy. Daddy's looking for a new job. You know, they don't get thrown into the fiery furnace. And you and I never hear their story because it wouldn't be in the Bible, correct? They would have just caved. But you know what they wouldn't have known? They would never have known that they walked away from a promotion that God had waiting for them. Then I missed it. When I read that story, it it caused me to think, I wonder what promotions and blessings I have forfeited in my life because of some choice that I made that was a compromise to some temptation. You know, we talk about taking hold of the life that God has for us. Friends, I I just want to tell you, you cannot get a better life than the life God has for you. There is no better life. It's the apex. And to whatever degree you compromise, and to whatever degree you walk against what God is calling you to do, and to whatever degree you disobey God's commands, He doesn't put a curse on you. You just miss out. These guys would have walked away from a promotion and never known it. Now, here's the really big, big lesson, okay? Because the title of our sermon series is Take This Job and What's the Rest of It? And, all right, here you go. If you want, and we'll go back to that key point. If you want to love your job, never compromise your integrity in any way for it. Got it? If you want to love your job, Never compromise your integrity in any way for it. Because the moment you do, now you have a tainted job. And the moment you do, the pressure that you gave into will come back again in a different form and probably bigger. And then the question is, when are you going to draw the line? Or are you just going to keep doing compromise after compromise after compromise after compromise until you hate your job because it's so counter to who you're supposed to be as a person? But if you don't compromise the first time, then there will never be a second time. Either the job falls in line with what it should be, or God takes you to a job where you don't have to. But if you want to love your job, never compromise in any way for it. To keep it, or to get a promotion, or in any other thing. It's what God would tell you, and it's the best thing I can tell you in terms of loving your job. Now there's a bonus principle here. And and something great happens because when when the dudes walk out of the furnace and they don't even smell like smoke, and the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are ringing in the king's ears when they said, God will rescue us from your power. And God just did rescue them from his power and gave him a front seat to how that rescue would work and gave him a front seat to the ultimate power that only God has and how much God loves his kids, that he would rescue them from the power. Old Nebuchadnezzar said, I got a thing to say, and notice what he says. Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree, if any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, of of Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. Okay, he's still a ruthless king, right? (laughs) But he said, I know this. There is no other God who can rescue like this. You know what it is? If you and I are willing to go through these, these, these intersections, these collisions of integrity and employment, it gives God the opportunity to influence other people through us. Isn't that awesome? But friends, if you compromise, the influence is gone. There's no moment. There's no collision. There's no no way that God can use that situation. So how do we apply this in our lives? There's a couple things that we can do. Because these are things that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego actually did. They got them ready for this situation. And the first one is this. It's important for us to prepare in advance. The Bible says, do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. I want you to impose the principle of the fire drill. The reason we do fire drills in schools and in public buildings and in workplaces is because we know that when fire hits, everybody's emotions go crazy. It's crisis time and you can't think clearly. So if we take people through a fire drill, we help them decide in advance what they're going to do when the situation comes. And when the fire comes people know exactly what to do because they're prepared in advance. Here's what I want to challenge you to do right today. Decide right here, right now, I will from this moment on never do anything to compromise my integrity in my workplace. Done. That's my fire drill principle right there. I don't care what the boss asks me to do. If the boss, be it he or she or whatever comes to me and says, I need you to do this, and you know it's not right, even if they're a Christian, okay, and they ask you to do that, because that happens too. I'm sorry it does, but it does. Then you look at them and say, if that's what you want me to do, I'm not the person you need for this job. Because I'm a person you can trust under any circumstance, every circumstance, and I never compromise my integrity. And I'm sorry you're asking me to do that, but if you want to be able to trust me, and if you want to have an employee you can always trust, I am your person. But that means I can't do what you're asking me to do. Make that decision now. Because in the heat of the moment if you're going to try to think and make that decision, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Everything's on the line. Oh, I know, I should do this, but I feel like doing that. How am I going to talk to my kids? Once you start down that path, I'll know what you do. You'll cave. Because you haven't made up your mind ahead of time that you know what you're going to do. You know why? Because that plays into growth principle number two. And growth principle number two is integrity in the routine. Fortifies us for integrity in the crisis. You see, way back in chapter 1, this, what I read to you today is from Daniel chapter 3. Back in Daniel chapter 1, there was the little issue, and, and you'll need to go back and listen to the message if you don't know the story. Go back and listen to the message from two or three weeks ago. It's the first in this series, I think it would be two weeks ago. And, and it's the little issue of the food. And the king says, okay, I want all of my leaders to eat this kind of food. And some, not all the food, some of the food was borderline for Jews. And some of it was over the line. They just shouldn't eat it. They were told by God not to eat it. Now, you know what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have done at that point? They could have eaten the borderline food and sort of, okay, well, we can yeah okay we'll 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 sort of do the end around on that and we could leave the other food on our plate and pretend that we're full and not hungry for that and skirted the whole issue and they and they would have been sort of playing with their integrity but they would have been able to go through sort of mental excuses for doing that but you know that was just food it was a little thing but instead of compromising their integrity in a little thing they chose to live with integrity so when they got on the pl- on the on the plane outside of babylon in front of of hundreds of other leaders not just a few people in a dining room somewhere in front of hundreds of other leaders and the king screaming at them they already had the integrity because they built it back in the dining room that makes sense to everybody yeah Build it today. So if you take out your, your card, your Connect card, the one that says start here. If you're new to New Life, uh, you don't know this drill, but the rest of us do. We put our names on the front. And if you're new to New Life, if you would trust us with your contact information, we'd put some wonderful tools in your hands to help you get connected with God and to help you in your spiritual journey. If you'll do that. And then on the backside, there are three ways For us to apply this that are directly related to what I just said to you. And the first one is deciding to become a Christian today. I said that to you earlier before I prayed, and I said it to you in the middle of the message. The greatest decision that you can make, it will change your life like no other decision, is deciding I am going to follow Christ because I believe his way of living is better than anything I can manufacture on my own. And besides that, I recognize that He paid the penalty for my sin so I could be forgiven before God, and I'm taking him up on that deal. Boy, if you haven't made that decision, I want you to make it today. God wants you to make it today, and that's the offer he's going to make, and and it starts by checking on that card that you're deciding to become a Christian today, and I'll call you on the phone, and we'll either meet together or I'll do it with you over the phone, but I will lead you through the process of of giving your heart and life to God and becoming a follower of his. Okay? Okay. Secondly, deciding today to always have a no-integrity-compromised response at work. Boy, I'm, I'm, I just want to encourage all of us. Don't check that because the pastor wants you to check it. That means you caved into me, all right? That's not what this is about, okay? But if you're ready to make the decision that, no, from this day forward, I'm not, I want to love my job. I'm never going to compromise my integrity in any way for it then check that box. Make that decision. Do the fire drill thing. Get yourself prepared in advance. And then last of all, inventory your life because it's really easy to have unnoticed little corners of compromise in your life. And one of the things that God would want you to do and one of the things that would help you in your integrity is to take an inventory and say, Oh, God, would you show me, God, what those little corners of compromise are because I want to get those right so that even in my life there's no integrity compromised. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my friends right now. First of all, God, I pray for those that right now are making the decision to follow you. I pray for them as you speak to them in their heart that they would have the courage to check that on the card and that we'd have a great time together Uh, as as I walk them through that simple yet life-changing and eternity-changing decision. Father, would you just work in their lives right now? And I pray for the rest of us. I pray that you would give us courage right here, right now, to decide from this day forward, I'm not compromising again. That I'm going to be a a woman of integrity. I'm going to be a man of integrity so that from this day forward people can trust what i do they can trust what i say and they will know that i will never cheat i will never cave in i will i will never pad the figures i will i will never in any way deceive in any way because i have a no integrity compromise position at work and in life and then lord Would you reveal to us those areas that we're not even aware of? Maybe even blind spots. Would you bring our wife or our husband or somebody into our life that would point that out? And would you help us not to be like the king and get mad about that? But would you help us just to embrace that and recognize that that's you at work in our life, helping us become all that you can make us? I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.